Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Eric Jay here from St. Martin Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who we are so thankful to for sponsoring this program. We're also thankful that you're here joining us, pulling up a chair to the table and digging into a discussion about God's word, this wonderful faith that we have in Jesus Christ, a gift from God that we would know the certainty of our salvation through what he has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection. And thinking of this past Sunday, All Saints Day, his ascension back to heaven, uh, which is the hope we all have, uh, not only to be ascended with our Lord when we close here our eyes here on earth, but to uh, look forward to that day of resurrection of all flesh um, when we are reunited together with all the saints to stand before our God and our maker. Thank you uh, for being here, Chip. It's good to see you. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm great. You know, when you mentioned the pulling up the table, we actually have extra room around the table this morning. Yeah, Jason's not here. He's not. Uh, he wasn't feeling uh, too good. Which so. I can just hear the sighs <laughs> over the airwaves. <laughs> Jason has no doubt become a fan right. favorite. So Indeed. The good news is it's not that bad. So Jason, get better soon. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back here at our next episode. For sure. For today, uh, I thought we would do a throwback. Okay. Uh, And the reason is I had a question come up after this past Sunday's All Saints Day service that um, I remember came up almost at this exact time last year. And uh, since we're we're given one episode in between now and when we start the book of Galatians next week, I thought it would be a a good review. Um, All Saints Day, if you don't know or aren't familiar with, uh, is a pretty old practice in the church of uh, recognizing and remembering and celebrating those who have gone to heaven before us. Um, So All Saints Day isn't about praying for or doing anything for those who have died, because once you die here on earth, it's judgment one way or another, as Mm -hmm. we'll talk about later uh, in this episode. But we do use the day to do two things, really, that is of importance that we talked about this past Sunday. Give thanks to God for the faithfully departed, those who have died yet who live, as Jesus promised Mary and Martha before raising Lazarus from the dead, everyone who lives and believes in him shall never die. But in addition to remembering and celebrating the faithfully departed and the life they have with Jesus, we also celebrate the fact that we are part of all saints, you and me. Everybody listening, everybody who truly believes in the words of Christ, because we believe Jesus to be the Christ, when he says that when we believe in him, we have passed from death to life. 
that we have eternal life now. And that really is a, a big concept that I don't think most Christians wrestle with enough, that eternal life isn't some different life that's starting when we die. But Jesus said in John 5, anyone who believes in me believes in the Father, and anyone who believes in me has eternal life, and he has passed, past tense, from death to life now. An eternal life we experience now, albeit we don't see it fully, mm-hmm. um, but the eternal life we're going to have, we have now. And that is really what the focus of All Saints Day is, that as Paul will say, we are citizens of heaven. We, we are no longer here. We looked at Colossians 1 this past weekend where Paul says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to his kingdom of light. See, we often think about salvation as something to come. And I don't know about you, Chip, but I think it's, it's a powerful thing to realize that when Scripture talks about our salvation, it talks about it many times in the past tense. Right. It's a finished thing. That's why Paul so often refers to the churches he's writing to, except for Galatians, which we'll talk about later. He greets everyone as saints. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody thinks usually of saint being someone that's already died and gone to heaven. When scripture talks about it, it's talking about the living who believe in Jesus. Those are the saints. So as I said, we got a listener question, which Chip, you'll share after the prayer, um, which is uh, almost the identical question we got about a year ago Yes. Um, to the whole resurrection and when we die, what happens? What about heaven? What about hell? Um, and I thought, boy, with All Saints Day just six days behind us, seven days behind us, it'd be great to, to revisit that. And so, Chip, uh, why don't you pray for us? And then we'll get right into it. Lord Jesus, you are the great physician who brings healing and comfort to the sick and the afflicted. Lord, we ask your blessing on our brother Jason. Restore him to health so that he can join us again next week as we walk through your word with our listeners. Lord, we also give thanks and praise for the ultimate healing you bring to us, our most needed sickness, that of sin. You went to the cross to ultimately defeat sin and to restore us to the perfection you created us to live in at the very foundation of the world. Lord, be with us this morning as we look back a year ago uh, into your word and talk about uh, the amazing place that you had intended everyone to be living in forever with you. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, you mentioned that this listener had the question based on what they heard you say in your sermon, Mm -hmm. and here's essentially what they're asking. The moment we close our eyes for the final time on earth, you said we open them for the first time in the presence of our Lord. Does the opposite hold true? So what about the people that don't believe in Jesus, have never placed their faith in him? Where do, what happens to them? Do they wake up immediately in hell? Yes, sadly. Okay. Yeah. And we know that uh, for a couple of reasons. If we look to the gospels, um, you could take the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Right. Right. When, when both of them died, they were immediately in one place or the other. Right. There was no waiting period. There was no purgatory. There was no nothing. Um, so, so there's a, a case where Jesus may not even be telling a parable. I mean, it's got parabolic elements to it. Sure. Um, but it could be a real story. And there's legitimate reasons to conclude that, which makes the point all the more emphatic that there's, there's one case where Jesus is talking about it 
and it's immediate. We also can turn to the epistles, um, God speaking through his uh, apostles. And if you go to um, Hebrews chapter 9, this is one of the quintessential verses for telling us what happens. Uh, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So there you have two statements that are important. Verse 27 of Hebrews 9, it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So it's immediate. Judgment one way or another, heaven or hell. You die, that's the judgment is immediate. So Christ is coming back not to deal with sin because sin is dealt with. The judgment actually is already given, right? When you die, you're not being judged. You're being judged now by faith in Christ. Okay. So when you die, um, the, the fruit of your faith or lack thereof is immediate. Okay. So Christ coming back a second time, he's not coming to deal with sin. He's already done that. He's coming to take those who are waiting for him back with himself, meaning he doesn't have to take those that have already died. They're already with him. And he's not dealing with sin a second time because it's been dealt with. So if you've died, not in faith, then you don't get to spend eternity with the God you refuse to believe in. And that's called hell. Okay. So based on your answer, I just have a a follow-up myself. Sure. Um, so we look forward to the time when we will be bodily resurrected mm-hmm. uh, with our Lord. Mm-hmm. Is that resurrection where we get our bodies back? Is that only, does that only pertain to believers? Uh, your body? Yeah. So we will physically be resurrected on the, on the last day, uh-huh. right? So- is that only for believers? No. So if if I if uh, if an, uh, somebody had died and they did not believe, and they're immediately in hell, mm-hmm. at at the last day they will still be bodily resurrected, but then they'll go back to hell. Yes, um, there is the resurrection of all that have died. When Christ comes back, uh, if you go to Acts chapter 24, this is Paul uh, speaking before the governor uh, when he's being put on trial. Okay. And uh, what he says in verse 14, I confess to you that according to the way, which is how they referred to Christians, mm-hmm. uh, which some people call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Okay. So all that have died, okay, and this is God's way of essentially bringing justice to bear on the world, and, and finally that day coming where he vindicates his righteousness, right? All we'll see, all, all right before our very eyes, we will see the justice of God vetted out. And this is if... This is when Christ comes back. Correct. And in the meantime, though. If you die before he comes back, your soul and spirit goes to be in God's presence. 
but the day of judgment on the whole earth, uh, all life, again, we, our brains wrestle with this because he exists outside of time. We exist right. in time. Yeah. Um, there will be a day of reckoning where, where God's promised judgment will be brought to bear in full. And then that is when both the, the dead and uh, both the just and the unjust are raised. And John points that out as well, yep. that some are raised to life and some are raised to death. Um, and again, that's God's way of really bringing before our eyes what we long to see. We all want to see justice in the world, right? We want to see evil dealt with. We, we don't. Sure. There's that sense in us now at the same time. This is why Jesus tells us to love our enemies because we're just as guilty in our sin. Exactly. Right. So, but we want. We want to see God's justice, not my sense of justice, right? God's name has been blasphemed. We've sinned against him. Thank God for Jesus and faith. We know we can be secure. And because of that, if you read the Psalms, David's always crying out for justice, for God's holy name's sake. Justify your name, O Lord, you know. And so that's that's what's going to happen. It does not change eternal destiny. Right. Yep. So when you die, that is... You know, you can think of it this way. Jesus's return, uh, when the dead are raised bodily and together as a, a communion of saints, the living are transformed immediately, held together with those that have been raised. It just gets better, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. what an awesome thing that's going to be. And it just gets worse if you have already rejected God. And so, yeah, I, you know, there's no way to make that easier to swallow. Um, the only thing we can do right now is say, repent, stop refusing to believe, trust in the God that you know is real. He can be known. His name is Jesus. I have a three part question early in this discussion. You mentioned quickly that there, you said there is no purgatory. So, First part of the question is, what's purgatory? Uh, two other parts of the question, does, you know, and this could include purgatory, are there spots in the Bible that talk about purgatory and what it is? And then is there a spot that talks about, you know, a, a deep description or a more detailed description of heaven and hell? Um, Jesus talks a whole heck of a lot about both. Um not description as we would describe a place or a location here, but a description of our experience in it. Jesus said, every tear will be wiped away from your eyes. There's no more sadness. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. And this would uh, be heaven. This is, yes. <laughs> um, you know, there are pictorial descriptions, you know, pearl gates, gold streets. All of that is really anthropomorphic language, which is using human terms to understand spiritual realities of Jesus's way of describing to us something that ultimately is indescribable as we are now. And the apostle Paul in Thessalonians book that he wrote, um, recounts how he was, he was taken up to heaven, um, and been shown heaven. And he essentially says the things I saw, not only are there, they're not human words for, but it would be unlawful. I, I would feel like I am sinning against heaven itself by trying to use these broken human words to tell you what I saw. And to me, that's like, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> that, exactly. I want it to be so friggin' amazing. You can't even talk. 
Right. That's that's the perfect explanation for me. Um, I, I don't want to. Nothing in heaven should be comparable in the slightest to this broken sinful world. Uh, and, and so though we do get descriptions, they're not necessarily of heaven like a place because what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Well, I, I like to think of those moments when it's particularly poignant of just how much God did for us. That amount of awe is of briefest foretaste of what yeah. that is. But part of the awe of heaven, I think will be we will more fully understand the magnitude of what he did for us by sending his son. And yeah. you know, I, I think this side of heaven it's it's hard for us to comprehend because we're sinful. And that's what the word's for. I think the word is there to help. The more you're in the word, the more he instills that in you. I think because we're sinful human beings, it's so easy for us to just gloss over that. Yeah. And if if we just take the time to to sit with the word, to sit with the Psalms, you know, I, I it's it's indescribable, just like Paul said of heaven. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a description of the activity in heaven, it's it's endless worship day and night. The worship is is focused on the presence of God that the angels just can't take take their eyes off him. I mean, That's that is what I I just want to be with him. That right. I mean, there's nothing really else that matters. He is who makes heaven heaven. Um, so the descriptions that we get uh, are to help us better understand what it will be like to be with him and and in that perfect union we had with God in the beginning before the fall. Um, to your other questions, um, purgatory. What is purgatory? Uh, purgatory is a doctrine that came out of the Catholic Church uh, that is a spiritual prison uh, where when you die, if you still have sins to pay for, you go to purgatory and you pay for your sins there. And then once your sins are all paid for with suffering or literally money from people still living that can buy you out of purgatory, um, then you get to go to heaven. So there's this waiting period where the, your sins are kind of vetted out and then, then you get to go. Um, so that's what purgatory is. Is it in the Bible? No. So if everything I just said seems really weird to you and you're thinking, I thought Jesus paid for sins. Right. You, yes, that's correct. That Jesus did pay for sins. Purgatory is not in the Bible. There, there is one passage in 1 Peter chapter 3 that talks about Jesus going down when he died, descending into hell and proclaiming victory to the spirits that were in prison. Yes, this this was he was going down there to do just that. That doesn't mean that they're getting out. He's going down there to proclaim. I told you I'd crush your head. It is done. Finito. End. And that's what he did. You, if you read more into it than what it says, you're going to come up with false teachings, which is what purgatory is. So there is no waiting purgatory period. It is death and judgment. Just read Hebrews nine. That's what it says. Just as it was given once for man to die and then judgment. That's all that you need to know. Today is the day of salvation. 
right? That's what the apostles said in, in Acts. Don't, don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. You're saved when you believe. And you're judged now if you don't. Right. So repent and believe. And then hell, is the, is the descriptions of hell similar in terms of, again, it uses pictorial language, fire, gnashing of teeth, um, you know, suffering. Gnashing of teeth really is, is, can be taken a number of ways, none of them good. Um, it's Jesus's way of describing what it's going to be like to get what you want if you're an unbeliever, separation from God. Your, your, your very existence is, is going to be completely depraved because he is your existence. And I often tell people, uh, you don't have to look very far to see what humanity will do to itself if left to itself. That is what hell is. As bad as things get in this world, God still reigns sovereign as king, and he will use evil for his ultimate good. When the last day comes and he lifts his hands, it's unmitigated horror because you have unrestrained sin, and God does not have to go down there and torture you. You're going to do it yourself. And we, again, you look what we do now. The, so the, hell is the absence of God. Entirely, and that is the most terrifying thought I can think of. Absolutely, and the last time things got even close to that, God destroyed the world yeah. with a flood. Yeah, and endless violence. Right? I mean, that's that's what how he described the world right. before the flood. This this is an even deeper dive into both world worlds. I don't know if that should call them. Okay. Uh, Eternal life looks like it, you know, eternal means forever. Mm -hmm. And and what do we do in heaven um, for eternity? Does it talk about any sort of, you know, is it a million years, millions of years? Eternity is eternity. There is no measure. And what will we be doing there? Uh, first of all, remember, it's not just a new heavens, it's a new earth. So that's why we're bodily raised and we are restored back to the physical human perfect existence with God in his creation we were intended to have. Spending eternity with him, knowing him, learning about him uh, with purpose, with, with vocation. We're, there's a new heaven and a new earth that will keep us occupied for eternity and we can't fathom that. Because we're finite. Um, but the way I like to explain it is, if he is God, he's got eternity on you. You're, you're going to spend forever learning of him. Yeah, I, I guess I was just, you know, um, wondering if, you know, as I read the Bible slowly, but I am, mm -hmm. you know, is I was just curious if, you know, somebody else was to pick up the Bible and start reading as well, you know, would they... At some point, get to a spot where it talked about um, more description of heaven, uh, terms, all the things you just described, and then the same thing with hell. You know, is there? 
is hell forever. It, uh-huh. You know, because it doesn't talk about hell being eternal, but or does it? It does. You know, and in, in in hell, then what's eternal in hell is just suffering for eternal is eternal, yeah, forever. But is there, um, you know, how do we can't fathom it? I guess because we don't even know what eternal is now, right? You know, we we see life very short in terms of average age of man and woman being well under a hundred and the overall scheme of time. This is why I tell people the focus of heaven is not what you're doing. The focus of heaven is not what it looks like. This can't be stressed enough. It's not heaven unless God's there and Jesus is there. And I promise you, you, he's more than than an eternity's worth of joy and knowledge and learning and that that's the focus. Don't worry about the heaven that God has made. Be more worried about the God that made the heaven. That's that's what I that's what I want. Well, that's where the desire to I guess read and learn more about it. And you know, you know, if you haven't read or you're kind of you know you get excited about when hey you know you get to that point you can read about it. You know, if you haven't yet. So that's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of it's in the New Testament. And again, when you do sit and read about it, it it's not going to satisfy you if what you're looking for is, you know, uh, how beautiful are the trees and how clear is the water? <laughs> no, it's right. just more of a comparison, you know, because like I said, you know, right now we barely, you know, most people never live to be 100. Uh-huh. Modern day time, the life we live in. But early on in the Bible, you know, uh, people were living for hundreds of years. And, and so I just wondered if there's a, a transition at some point where that changes again. And, and obviously when you get to heaven, it's eternal, right? Right. But, but before Jesus comes back to earth, is it going to continue to, will we, you know, in 300 years, if he still hasn't returned, are we living a shorter life or do, you know, through all the, modern medicine and technology that keeps getting evolved today, does that change our lifespan back to living a couple hundred years? You know, what's interesting about that is if you read in the Psalms, uh, David himself uh, in, in talking to God says, what is the life of a man on earth? 70 years, maybe 80 if, if you're blessed. So hundreds and hundreds of years ago in primitive society, when they just banged rocks together, if you ask, you know, the critics view of, people back then they were still living 70 80 years now we have all this medicine and all this technology and da, 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 da. Uh, okay we're still living 70 to 80 years on average mm-hmm. so for all the talk about science will save us and technology will save us if you open the bible that's how long they were living back then so well, it's a superfluous question because ultimately whether you live five years five minutes five decades 500 years the end is still the same this life is, is, Ecclesiastes will say, it's a vapor. In the grand scheme of eternity, you're focused on the wrong thing. Be focused on Him. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And I just wanted, before we go, to remind all the listeners to join us next week when we are going to start looking at the book of Galatians. We're really excited about it. Join us then. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com 
To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection. Connection.